Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Now, if you wipe your finger along the table you're sitting at, or if you're at home along the mantelpiece, or even stoop down to that skirting board and give it a good wipe, if you're a normal human being, your finger is now covered in dust. What is this strange grey sand that is absolutely everywhere? And where does it come from? Well, it's a question Jay Owens has been trying to answer in a new book all about it. It's called Dust, the Modern World in a Trillion Particles. She joins me now. Welcome to the programme, Jay. What is what a What an interesting and yet really dull subject for a, a, a book no absolutely my i started being interested in dust in precisely the way you describe sitting on my sofa procrastinating wondering gosh what shall i write this university essay on hmm why is there so much dust under my sofa <laughs> and discovered that actually once you think about anything very hard it becomes rather interesting and turns out to contain the world yeah, um, I, I'm paraphrasing the great Richard Feynman a little bit, but he said everything is interesting once you look deeply enough. And I think that it really, really is true. And, and it's almost the essence of this radio program. So let's start off with basic uh, household um, dust. What is it made of? Because I have a horrible feeling it's just dead skin cells. But is it more than that? Absolutely. There's an, a ton of stuff in there. And actually dead skin probably a piece of good news is not the main part of it. Your right. skin mostly gets caught in your clothes and washed off when you have a shower. So you're not kind of haunting your own flat, uh, which is <laughs> nice to know, I think. Um, so instead, lots of the dust in your house actually comes in from the outside. Um, so everything floating about in the atmosphere from mineral dust that might be from the Sahara Desert in Ireland and the UK, um, from road dust and all the filth that's produced by cars, their braking, their friction against the asphalt, um, fossil fuels, of course, producing carbon soot. Um, and then in your home, everything you own is trying to disintegrate all of the time. Entropy is a wonderful and constant force. So your sofa is shedding little bits of fibres, um, plastics are shedding microplastics, foam and padding like that sort of disintegrates into more plastic, generally speaking. Um, and so every single object you have is really contributing to the dust in your house one way and one speed or another. Did you say Sahara Desert dust in Ireland? It makes its way, particularly in the spring each year, actually, when um, seasonal winds tend to blow Sahara dust north over Europe. And you get very excitable tabloid headlines about blood rain coming to um, you know, big orange skies, particularly in Spain or France. But it does blow its way northward and it can make it um, as far as Ireland. Um, some years you'll have a particularly orange sky one, one day and that, that is sad from the Sahara. No way. Uh, particularly orange because it's got uh, iron oxide in it. So it's the minerals that make it that colour. So um, then the particles of that dust must be particularly small. Like, is there a range of, of particles and how big are they? And please don't use the reference of a human hair. I'm so sick of that reference <laughs> of how big something is. I have no idea how, how big a human hair is really. But go on. N 
damn it. Now, that really is the official dust reference measuring scale. <laughs> is it? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's not terribly useful because dust being very, very small is all kinds of very, very smalls. Yeah. Um, so we measure it in things called micrometers, which are millionths of a metre or thousandths of a millimetre. So take the smallest measurement on your ruler, chop it into a thousand. You can't see it anymore. So you know, put on some very good spectacles. Um, dust is usually between about 20 micrometers and can be fractions of a micrometer. Um, so, for example, radioactive dust, particularly scary dust, um, is very, very tiny, um, whereas some of the bits of um, organic material or so some of the bits of desert sand can be as big as sort of 20, 20 micrometers. Do, do they um, organise themselves um, like the planets in a way? Uh, you know, are, do certain minerals make things bigger or certain... Um, materials make their dust particles specifically bigger because of the things they're made of? Yes, as best I know, though I don't actually have a brilliant ranking of their particles by size, uh, at least not off the top of my head. I would need to get back to the very, very many scientific research papers I read during the course of this book. I do remember that the radioactive dust is particularly small. Um, and what the really, really small dust does, the stuff that's sort of beneath one micron in size, that means it can get inside not just your body, but it can get inside your blood and potentially your brain. So you breathe it in, in the air that's around you. Um, it weasels its way through the air sacs in your lungs into your blood, and it has the ability to travel around your body and cause health problems. So in a sense, we kind of like big dust. Um, we can keep, as human beings, we can keep big dust out of ourselves, but the smaller the dust gets, the more it gets inside us and the more scary it is as a source of pollution. Um, is it the size of dust that uh, causes the problem, um, I suppose, aside from radioactive um, dust, like say, for example, if I'm coughing, is it, if I'm coughing, that means my lungs have detected something foreign. Is that is that usually a large particle of dust? Got to admit, I don't know. Yeah, actually, precisely you know at this how point. could you possibly yeah. know what I've inhaled? It depends on where I am. <laughs> That's a stupid question. My first this year, but I will, I will, I will oh. definitely. I'll put a pin in that one. Um, so. Uh, when we talk about dust in our homes, that's not the only type of dust that we find. And I was really interested to hear you say that the, the many, many papers you read. Is this a subject of great interest to people, dust? Because it sounds like there is a lot of research on it. It does. All sorts of different types of scientists end up being interested in it, which is part of it. In their aerosol scientists are talking about it as aerosols, and they're interested in like planetary science, how the what you know how minerals are transported around the world, how things how the planet heats up and cools is affected by dust in the atmosphere because it gets in the way of the sun's rays and um, you know influences climate and global warming. Um, the geologists are interested in what the dust is made of and where it comes from. Um, you've got chemists, again, who are interested in particular chemical properties of dust. Geographers as well. Um, health people are interested in how the dust interacts with it. So each of these scientists are producing their own research on this. But one thing I think I found with this book is, you know, I say I'm writing a book on dust and everyone goes, dust? And I'm like, dust? Yes, it's interesting because. And people get into it as a mm. topic. It's something we can all relate to. It's something you do wonder about, you know, there's sort of a fur that's growing on your uh, mirror or on, on the yeah, mantelpiece. And um, so I've managed to convince people, I hope, that it isn't too dull. Does, does it play a part in 
the world's ecosystems at all or it is just always by its definition dead and inert particles Great question. So that's what I think is most interesting about it, is that dust is busy out there doing things in the world's ecosystems just as much as water or ice or oxygen. It's a really, really active part of the physical properties of how the planet operates. Hmm. So, for example, we were talking about Sahara dust and how it gets blown uh, north and over the Atlantic certain times in the year. Well, it's carrying iron and phosphorus minerals, and those land in the ocean and they feed plankton, um, which produce the majority of the world's oxygen. And they need the iron to help them do their little plankton metabolisms and produce wow. the chemical reactions that make the oxygen. So dust is helping us breathe, which is pretty cool of it. I'm grateful for it for that. Um, you know, minerals are transported to the Amazon. They get all of the way over the Atlantic and that's there. You know, it rains a lot in the Amazon. This is the general idea of a rainforest. So all of the good nutrients in the soil keep on getting leached out of, of the soil and they need to be topped up, which is done by dust. And so it helps all of the trees and the plants in the Amazon grow and be nice and green and rich and luscious. Um, and then it is also impacting planetary heating and cooling. Dust is really annoying here because it does both of these things at once, depending on what sort of dust and where it is and how oh, really? high up it is in the atmosphere. So the science gets really, really difficult really fast. Um, it makes a really big area of interest for climate modelling because it's just one of our biggest areas of unknowns. Like, what is this stuff doing? We hadn't thought to think about it. And then it turns out it's A, really active and also B, really complicated and confusing. So uh, keeping scientists in business for a good long time. Are, are dust particles often charged? Charged, um, like, do they clump together because of electrical charges between them, or is is there a is is there an ele electrical element to dust, and does it does that affect how it behaves? There is, particularly because they're so small, so you get some sort of small scale uh, attractive charges. So what this means actually is the dust in our atmosphere is often it's not kind of pure particles flying along on their own, but different types of particles clump together. Um, so you get, they sort of piggyback, different pollutants piggyback on the back of other things, um, which can be a problem in terms of how, where means things get transported further, or if it, um, also particles that might piggyback into the human body, which is where we don't want them on that front. What is the dustiest place in the world or, or is there a perfect storm of somewhere where there's an enormous amount of dust because of what they're doing in that area or geographically where it's um, situated or the temperature or it's probably in the Sahara, though scientists are presently arguing about where, preci where precisely it might be. Um, there's a good case for around Lake Chad, which is um, in, partly in Chad, the country, which used to be a very, hundreds or thousands of years ago, used to be a huge lake. And that lake dried up leaving particularly tiny sand particles and also the, de sort of the dead bodies of the little algae and things that used to live in there. And so dried lakes are always the big, big dust producers. And so there's one case that Lake Chad is the biggest dust generator in the world. Um, other scientists claim another part of the Sahara called El Chouf is the main source of dust, but it's probably one of those two as the dustiest place in the world. They are fortunately fairly lowly populated, um, <laughs> continuing 
continuous sort of dust storms, not an easy place for too many people to be living. Indeed, very Mad Max um, uh, sounding and, and not a great place to live unless you really have to. Um, what, what about these dust storms that we see on social media? Are they rare? Because um, they can be sometimes really enormous phenomena. Um, I'm wondering, uh, you know, are there places where these things happen regularly? I was in the Nevada desert uh, for Burning Man a few years. And when a dust storm came along, it just took over the whole sky. Everyone just had to run away. Uh, they yeah. were really huge things. Are they, are, they, um, are they big? And are they really how most of the, the dust travels long distances? Great questions. So in somewhere like Nevada or the sort of American Southwest deserts, you will have multiple of those per year. Um, there's sort of guys called storm chasers who like to hang out particularly in Arizona and take these incredible photos of you know, beautiful, but kind of, you know, really frightening just walls of orangey red dirt with lightning flashing between it. And there will be multiple of those per year. Um, you also in Beijing gets hit particularly badly by dust storms that they call yellow dragons, which come from the Gobi Desert and from the north and northwest of China. And again, you know, a few, few fewer now than there were 10 years ago, but certainly, you know, you know often usually one biggish one per year. So pretty regular phenomenon, enough to cause significant problems. And so uh, putting all this stuff together, is it a growing problem? Is it, is it, is it a, a concern how much dust we're throwing into the atmosphere with the activities of human beings? Because I imagine we are, as is the case with many of these things, a large contributor to the dust of the world. We are indeed. So human beings produce a large amount of the black carbon soot in the world, which comes from burning fossil fuels, um, burning trees and plants and clearing land for agriculture. Um, also comes from natural forest fires, which we're contributing to indirectly through climate change. And we even produce 25% of the world's mineral dust. So even the dust that sort of comes off the Sahara and places like that, human beings still influence a really large quarter of it um, through how we pump water and use water for agriculture and take water away for cities and we leave deserty places even drier kills off the vegetation and that's what makes them dangerous dust sources um, so we can stop this this is the important thing if yeah. we get more responsible with water use if we stop using fossil fuels and move to sustainable sources we can make a considerably less dusty and more sustainable world either um as there, there seems to be with almost everything where, they, where it's mostly bad, there are some small benefits. Uh, it, it is, is dust good for anything? I mean, you know, um, there was some research showing that people who, were, who cleaned too much um, were more likely to, to get sort of um, immune diseases. I'm not sure if that panned out, but that was, that was a suggestion about a decade ago. It, it, you know, is it a bad idea to have no dust? Uh, in your house and for human beings, dust is unfortunately pretty generally bad for ah. us. And more <laughs> dust is worse than less dust. But, um, you know, there's no harm in running an air purifier and things like that. It is, you know, the only problem with being too clean is for your own neuroticism rather than the, the dust side. So uh, you do still have to hoover. Very sorry, can't let you off that one. Planet-wide, it is doing all of these things in ecosystems. And, you know, we wouldn't want to live in an entirely dust-free world for that reason. I think we would suddenly find our oxygen levels and our plants and our algae having some sort of... Um, we'd be quite surprised about how bad the impact could be on that front. Huh. Um, you know, I think we want to 
keep if we can work on making cities less dusty where the majority of human beings now live you know if we can look at our road transport if we can look at our building sites and things like that um if we can stop the, the big thing in um for ireland and the uk is certainly is burning wood burning stoves um which sort of seem lovely and cozy but actually um aren't very clean and do put out quite a lot of particle pollution mm. um, and that's a big contributor to particle pollution in cities in countries like this Mm. Yeah, I am guilty of this. Um, I'm sorry. As, as I am of many sins that I won't discuss on this program. <laughs> uh, God, it's really, it is very interesting. And there's loads more um, uh, in the book. Jay talks about cosmic dust and uh, uh, how it interacts with our climate. Uh, really interesting subject. Um, surprisingly so. Uh, Jay Owens, author of Dust, The Modern World in a Trillion Particles. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. It's been great to chat. Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Mm-hmm.